Do you wish that all things wealth and finance were much easier to understand and not presented by a bunch of beige cardigan-wearing geeks? Welcome to the Clever Investor Podcast, where we're dishing up the easiest-to-understand finance program served in bite-sized chunks, so your brain will thank you as your knowledge grows. Hosted by the brilliant Owen Taylor, a multiple award-winning expert with a glorious knack for explaining the complex world of wealth in the simplest of ways. Hey, Clever Investors, and welcome back to another show. And all right, I confess, I put the word sexiest in the title to get your attention. When most people think about budgeting, it's probably not a sexy thought at all, but they do say that sex sells. So yeah, I'm guilty of it. Hang around because the tips and tricks that I've got for you today are all there to help you achieve your long-term financial goals. So the first is to start to set yourself a goal. And we've all heard that saying, you'll miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. What you've also got to realise though, is you need to know where you're aiming towards. Break it down. Set yourself a goal of where you want to be financially in 12 months time, in five years time, and then 10 years time. Setting yourself these short, medium, and long-term goals means that you are taking bite-sized chunks of everything And you're not going to be upset when you or if you need to adjust these plans. I'll put this acronym on the socials and in the website as well. But the word SMART, S-M-A-R-T, stands for Specific, Measurable, Actionable, Realistic and Timetabled. Let's look at those individually. Specific. The financial goal needs to be clear and and not just vague. I I sat with somebody years ago who said, I want to buy 10 investment properties in the next 10 years. Now, to this person, that seemed like a specific goal, but it wasn't. You actually need to put more of a timeline on it and get specific as to, well, what's the purchase price of these properties and how are you going to do this? Incidentally, when I did sit down with this person, the maximum that he could probably buy over the 10-year period was three, which initially upset him, but then I helped him break down what his goal was. Now, the next one, the M stands for measurable. You've got to be able to measure this goal. If you don't measure it, it's, it, it's just flippant. A timeline, I think, is the best way of measuring it. Some people like to add a financial value into it as well, but I don't think that putting a financial value on everything works all of the time. I like to set a time frame. So it could be I want to be able to buy my first investment property by the end of June 2023. I want to have a... share portfolio by December the 10th. Put a specific timeline on it, measure it there. A stands for actionable. You must be capable of taking the necessary actions to achieve your financial goal. So the guy I sat down with that wanted to buy 10 investment properties over the next 10 years, when I showed him that he couldn't do 10, It wasn't possible. That's because his salary just wouldn't keep up. 
And that when I did explain to him that he could probably do three over the next 10 years on his current income, that made it actionable. R is realistic. So your financial goals need to be challenging, just just like any fitness goal. They need to be a little bit of a reach, but you've still got to, it's still got to be realistic while you're doing that. So, you know, I'd love a hundred investment properties, but I really don't think I'm actually going to get there. Let's be realistic about how we're going to get there. Timetabled. So T for timetabled. Your financial goals need to be bound by time. They need to have deadlines attached, like I talked about them being measurable as well. And set yourself some milestones on how you're going to get there. Just like every great business plan. So you're going to review it at least every 12 months. Trick number two, analyze and track your current expenses. Now, your expenses at the moment are going to be, and they're always going to be, in, in two main categories, your ex, your essentials and your non-essentials, your discretionary. Ideally, you want to align your budget with how often you get paid. You're going to find it a lot easier on how to do this. And I've mentioned this before. Simplest way to do it, the simplest way to start is with a blank A4 sheet of paper and just write down everything that you're paying out and start a column, essentials and your non-essentials. A list of your essentials are any mortgage payments that you've got or obviously your rent payments. These are things that are affecting the roof over your head. Your food bills. And you might want to average out and and have a look at what you've actually been spending on. You know, you can do without Tim Tam's biscuits every week, but you obviously need milk and bread. Then you want to start listing down how you're getting around. So is it is it petrol for the car, train, or your, your bus fares that you're paying for? The next item then on your essentials is your utilities, your electric bill, your phone, your gas, all of these things. How much are they averaging out to be? You've also got any other debt payments you've got. So maybe you've got a student loan or you've got a personal loan or a credit card that you're, you're trying to pay off at the moment. So those things are essentials. You, you can't push them onto the back burner because we don't want to get a bad credit file, do we? Now, your non-essential items, the discretionary ones, these are things like entertainment. And we'll talk more about not becoming a boring person later on, but think about your entertainment. Eating out, eating at uh, restaurants, uh, pay TV, your Netflix, all of this stuff as well. Clothing, gym memberships. Can you can you find a cheaper gym? Can you cut down on it? Could you go and uh, go to the gym maybe twice a week and exercise in the park? Haircuts, beauty products, anything like that. And the last thing is holidays. So yes, I'll talk about these a bit later on as well. They they are important, but can you do it on a bit more of a budget? Now, another good idea, though, is you've also got to set some money to one side for any unexpected expenses. And the number one thing for unexpected expenses is to do with cars. Invariably, something may go wrong with your car. And you've got to have money, obviously, to one side because you need your car for getting around probably to and from work and you need work. Otherwise, the fun stops really quickly. Trick number three. 
plan for your big bills. Talking about cars again. Car rego, you know, we know exactly when car rego is coming up and often your insurance for that vehicle comes up at the same time. So look at when that's due and then work backwards from it. So you know, oh, car rego is due on the 10th of December. So I've got X amount of weeks until then and I've got, you know, so divide it then up. So if you paid fortnightly, how many fortnights until car rego's due? I need to put this much aside into this. It's a great strategy. It's uh, it's really effective for planning for the major expenses that we have. Trick number four, analyze your current income in relation to what your expenses are. Sounds really obvious, doesn't it? Don't live beyond your means. And this doesn't matter whether you're on a low income or a high income earner. It matters not a dot. I had a client about probably 12 years ago now that was on $700,000 a year. And when we looked at his bank accounts, he had less than $10,000 in savings. Now, his capacity was he could have bought a two, three million dollar property, but he didn't have any savings to go towards it. He had, in his own words, every single toy and best of everything that he could, but he didn't have a budget, so he didn't know to put money to one side. If you're currently in a situation where your expenses are regularly exceeding your income, you need to do one of three things. One, increase your income. Not always that easy to do. Two, cut your expenses. Again, that's probably easier than trying to find a bigger, higher paying job. Or three, do both of them. You also need to get into this habit of developing and honing your budgeting skills. If you're income includes overtime or commissions or bonus payments, my recommendation when you're doing your budget is work on your base income because that's that's the income that's guaranteed to you. Uh, commissions, they might be delayed by a month. Bonuses, well, bonuses by nature are only there when the business has done well. You could be the best employee in the whole company, but If the business hasn't reached its financial goals, you're not going to get your bonus. So don't rely on these things. Trick number five, consider personal protection insurance. This sometimes gets referred to as life insurance, but strictly speaking, we're not just after insuring your life. We actually want to insure you for if you have a loss of income and we want you to get through that situation. Now, the loss of income could be because you've had a sickness, illness or injury and you've used up all your sick leave. You've still got an income source that's going to come in and help you pay your bills. Now, you can have a look online. There's various different companies that offer these type of things online. You're you're never going to find somebody that pays you an income protection insurance, which is 100% of the value of what your current income is. General rule of thumb, it's going to be about 60 to 70% of what your income is. And the higher you want that insurance 
payout to be, the higher your premium's going to be. Uh, if you don't want to do it yourself, the, the role of a financial advisor is often looking at these things, and it's something that I recommend. I had, So most of us wouldn't drive on the road without having your car insured, yet we have our income uninsured. All right, trick number six is pay yourself first. Let me explain what I mean by this. So instead of going through your list and sorting out what all your expenses are up front and then seeing what you've got left over, reverse engineer this. Say, I need to put $100 every pay packet aside for my deposit goals. Put that money aside immediately. Then look at what you've got left over to then pay all your other bills. It's not easy to do it this way, but trust me, if you do it the other way, you're not going to reach your goal of saving the deposit for the property. This is when you're going to be hard on yourself. You're going to be fairly brutal with yourself. And if you're in a partnership, you can work together on this and you'll find that it will help you start to make the cuts in the unnecessaries. Trick number seven, avoid credit cards. There are over 16 million credit cards that exist in Australia at the moment. And more than 70% of Australian adults own a credit card. The annual interest bill on Australian credit cards, this is just the interest bill, is $33 billion. That's just the interest bill. Credit cards are a bit of a necessary evil. And don't get me wrong here. I've had plenty of credit cards over my lifetime. At the moment, though, in my life, I don't actually have a credit card. I don't need one. I made a financial decision quite a few years ago. I didn't want that temptation within my life and I didn't need it. And it's easy for me to budget that way. Try and set the limit as low as you can. Trick eight, use cash whenever you can. Now, one of the silver linings of us going through COVID-19 pandemic for the last couple of years is there's still a lot of places that don't want your dirty, filthy cash. They would rather you tap and go. So when I say cash here, we're talking about the readily available cash in your account. Now, what I do is I have an account where I pay myself a pocket money each week. And basically that's for me buying a coffee, doing my groceries. And it means that I'm not going to exceed, even in the 12 months leading up to COVID-19, I wasn't carrying a wallet anymore. I keep a sneaky $20 bill behind my mobile phone in its case, just in case I do need to uh, have some cash. But generally, I'm tap and go everywhere. So consequently, what I need to do is separate the account where the majority of my money is. Otherwise, you're going to find your budget starts to fail. Trick nine, use free budgeting tools. There are so many around. I I actually, I had a look online trying to decide what ones I could probably recommend for you, but there are just so many. And without downloading them all and spending hours and hours of going through them, it was mind boggling. So do me a favor, tell me if you're using one and what you actually think of it. Trick number 10, 
Look for deals and negotiate. Here's a true story. A couple of weeks ago, a good friend of mine called me, said, I think my home loan rate's a bit high. Can you help me refinance? He told me what his rate was. It's about 3.2%. It's not that bad. I asked him, how's your repayments been? I don't know he's a good guy. He said he hasn't missed a repayment perfect. He's actually ahead on his repayments on his home loan. I said, okay, before you look at refinancing and going through and the, you know, getting your pay slips out and doing all of that stuff, just because you want a cheaper rate, ring your current lender, put 40 minutes aside of your life that you're going to be on hold, give them a call. We did a quick bit of Googling online and said, okay, there's some, here's some comparable rates here. He rang his current bank, said, look, XYZ Bank has got this rate over here. I don't really want to refinance. You know, I've got all my direct debits set up with you. Can you sharpen your pencil a bit? And voila, what do you know? They offered him, while he was on the phone, a bit of a better rate. It wasn't as low as some of the other ones are out there, but as I say to so many people, the the cheapest rate is not necessarily the best one. In the case of this guy, he'd actually got some investment properties as well. He's got all these direct debits set up. He didn't want to, he's self-employed too, so he's got to pull all his tax returns together. It's not what he wanted to do at the moment. Rang his bank, they sharpened their pencil a bit. Trick number 11, avoid impulse buying. Trick number 12, be accountable. Now, if you're in a relationship, ideally the two of you need to be on the same page together. By having that goal, you'll know why you're going through this little bit of pain now. Trick 13, build rewards into your budget. So remember in some of the other points I was saying about what can you, what can you get rid of? What can you cut down on? All work and no play makes Jack a sad-ass, boring person. Don't let that happen to you. Build some things in. Give yourself some rewards. Still go to the movies. Still go out. You obviously can't do it every day of the week because you're going to start to exceed what your budget is. Good friend of mine that when she goes to the movies, she takes her own lollies and her own popcorn with her. And you might laugh at that. And I did the first time, the first time I found out about it, I did laugh. And then I thought about often the snacks cost more than the bloody movie tickets. Trick number 14. And the final one here, develop good financial habits. Now, like any habits, financial habits can be good or they can be bad ones. Good budgeting habits will get easier with time. Give it time, stick at it, I guarantee it will work. Thanks for tuning in and I will see you again next week for another episode of the Clever Investor Podcast. You have been listening to the Clever Investor Podcast, a weekly podcast dishing up the easiest to understand finance program served in bite-sized chunks. So your brain will thank you as your knowledge grows. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave a review. It's the best way for us to reach new listeners. For more information, go to thecleverinvestor.com.au.